Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. You know I'm a big fan of enjoying life while still being smart financially. That's why I love ButcherBox. I can get a variety of high-quality meat, seafood, chicken, and pork at an amazing value, all with exclusive member deals delivered to my door with free shipping always. One thing I just never wanted to cut out of my spending plan is eating good food. And with ButcherBox, I don't have to, and neither do you. Where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Yes, you heard that right. One of my favorite go-to dinners is a salmon bowl. I'm not even a huge salmon lover, but ButcherBox's wild-caught salmon is Oh, so good. I make a nice little marinade, saute some veggies, cook the salmon, and throw in some weiss. And it is an amazing dinner. If you want to take less trips to the grocery store and always have prepared meat in the freezer for a lot less money, you need ButcherBox in your life. Sign up at butcherbox.com etm and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash etm. There is simply no way to sugarcoat it. There's no way to make it pretty, to take a mess and to make it into something magical. I would pretty much guarantee that almost everyone listening to this podcast episode has some sort of student loan debt, whether it was undergrad, graduate, maybe you went on to get your PhD and you've got even more student loan debt. It's certainly a problem that most of us have to deal with in our lifetime. And it is absolutely stressful, anxiety-ridden, and debilitating for a lot of us financially. In fact, more than 44 million borrowers have student loan debt, And that equates to $1.5 trillion just in the U.S. alone. And this is not just a U.S. problem. This is a worldwide problem. Student loan debt is handicapping so many of us from experiencing all the amazing things in life that we got to do. Instead, we're stuck trying to figure out how do we pay off debt. 
If you have student loan debt, this is the episode you need to listen to. You need to bookmark this. You need to make sure that you come back to this episode. You need to hand this episode to all of your friends. Make them listen to this episode because there are going to be some bombs and gems dropped in this episode, some student loan horror stories and some amazing things that you probably haven't even thought about to how you can radically begin to reduce your student loan debt. I'm Shauna Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money. And today we're talking, you know what? Be your own student loan debt hero with Travis from Student Loan Planner. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton-Game. It will expand your brain. Whatever you're saving up for, a CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 4.5% APY on an 8-month CD special or 4.25% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC. I've got a ton of Ask Shauna questions from you recently about student loans. This must be something that is, I don't know, maybe it's a part of the season we're in. We're kind of wrapping around to the end of the year and we start thinking about how do we deal with our debt? How do we make sense of this massive amount of money that we owe that we thought we needed to take out in order to advance our careers? And there are so many people that are blowing this notion out of the water. Why do we need to go to college to pay all of this money to get careers that we probably could have gotten without a degree? Or why did we need to go to an expensive school? Or I'm not even a lawyer anymore. Why did I go to law school and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars? I hear it from so many of you listening to this podcast, and I sit with you. I got my graduate degree from Pepperdine University, my MBA, and I had to pay for it myself. It was expensive. I think it cost right around $80,000. And at the time when I was going to school, I thought, you know what? It's not a big deal because I'm going to graduate and I'm going to have this rocking career and I am just going to be able to pay off that debt within five years. That was really my expectation. And a lot of the people who went to school with me were super lucky. They were working at these big companies like Disney and Amgen, and they had these amazing programs where these companies would pay for their graduate degree as long as they continued working for a few years with the company after they graduated. And I thought, well, that's fantastic, but I don't want anybody handicapping me to a particular job or a particular career. And I know I've shared with you so many times that I'm allergic to fluorescent lights. Like literally, not literally, okay, I'm being a bit dramatic, but I, I just don't like the idea of going to work at a company, having to sit in my little office or my little cubicle, to me, it just is exhaustive. And I did it for a really short period of time in my career and I never wanted to do it again. So I just went out and did what I like to do, which is be entrepreneurial, create my own company. 
And there's so many rewards with that. I mean, I have flexibility of time. I have, I mean, obviously unlimited vacation time. But the downside is I'm pretty much always working. Whether I'm working on this podcast or I'm working on some other project, I am always working or I'm teaching or, you know, there's some aspect of my business that I always have my hand in. And there's sometimes where I'm a little bit envious, like, wow, those people who work for companies, like you go on vacation and you don't have to think about answering emails or phone calls. How amazing must that be? Because <laughs> I don't think I've had a vacation like that in so many years. But back to my degree. So I've got this $80,000 and I graduate and I have this big idea that it's going to get paid off in five years or less. Like I'm just going to devote every penny that I have to pay off the student loan debt. And then I got divorced and then everything got turned upside down. And student loan debt is one type of debt that you do not split in a divorce. It's your debt. It belongs to you alone. So regardless of whether you paid off the other person's student loan debt in the marriage, that doesn't matter. And that was the case. We paid off his student loan debt in the marriage. We got divorced and bam, I'm sitting there staring at almost my full $80,000 on top of everything else that I had to pay. And I mean, you want to talk about anxiety and stress. I mean, <laughs> I could do that all day long, but I couldn't think about that at the time. I couldn't think about my student loan debt. I just had to continue making the payments. I knew that my five-year plan was going to just be blown. I mean, I was lucky to pay those off in 20 years. That was kind of my new thinking around student loan debt. And it took me a while to pay off credit card debt and just ugh, so much money that I owed from the divorce. I mean, there were moments where <laughs> I, I would just get like a, this is going to sound terrible, but I would just get like a bottle of champagne and one of those big tubs of a uh, Toll House cookie batter. And I would not make cookies with it. <laughs> I would get a big spoon and I would just dip it in and I would eat. This sounds disgusting, right? This sounds disgusting. But at the time, it tasted really good. I would just eat the cookie dough, drink the champagne, and I didn't care. I just wanted to forget everything. I didn't want to have to think about the money I owed. I didn't want to have to think about what I gave up. I just, I didn't want to think about it anymore. And I was like, okay, I'm going to focus on my student loan debt when I get my stuff together, when I feel like I'm a human person again and I can function. And so I spent a few years and all I did was just pay off credit card debt and other debt and all that crap. I just devoted every extra cent I had to that. And I, I just let my student loans, they kind of just did their thing. They got paid every month and sure the balance was going down, but it wasn't going down rapidly. And I was lucky enough that when I graduated with my MBA, I got on a fixed interest rate that is below what the interest rates are right now. So I was pretty happy and content that I at least was in that situation. But, you know, now it's time. Now it's time to go back to that five-year plan and to put every penny I can to pay off those student loans because I don't want to be paying on those student loans until I'm like, 50 years old or, or later. That just seems absolutely ridiculous. And there are times when I think to myself, why did I do that? Why did I go to school and get that degree? Like, Did it actually make a difference? And the answer is yes, it did make a difference. I teach at a university here in California. There's no way I could have done that without having my MBA. And my MBA did give me 
a fair amount of street cred, if you will, in the beginning in my finance career and certainly working with entrepreneurs and women and, you know, just the my people, I guess I would say. So it did make a difference, but it still sits really, really heavy deep inside of me, that amount of money. And I just, I cannot fixate on it or I will literally lose my mind. So I wanted to do a podcast episode where we talked about a lot of myths about student loans. And also I wanted to find somebody that I could bring to you that I feel like is doing a really solid job and helping people navigate paying off their student loans. And this might seem easier than it actually is because there are a lot of people out there, I believe, in my personal opinion, that put themselves out as student loan experts and they're not. I, I, I have heard horror stories myself of some people that have gone to certain people, I'm not going to name any names, and it hasn't worked out for them. And so I feel like you need to know the information. You need to feel empowered. But more than anything, you have to be your own advocate. You have to find solutions and figure out whether you are in the right program for your student loans. Figure out whether you're paying the lowest amount of money humanly possible that you can so that when you start putting extra money onto your student loans, you are supercharging them. You know, interest rate matters so much. If you can get your interest rate at the lowest possible rate, then all that extra money that you're putting on your student loans, it's going to pay those off rapidly. So you're actually going to see something happen versus this stagnant, you know, it it feels like it doesn't go anywhere. But you've got to also make other smart money moves. You've got to be putting money in your 401k or your retirement, whatever that is for you. You have to also get rid of that expensive credit card debt because that is going to drag you down really far, really fast. So you need to be thinking about all of these different things when you have student loan debt. And also, I feel like Maybe you have to have times in your life like I had where I couldn't fixate on it. I had a plan. The plan got blown out of the water. So I had to come up with plan B, plan C, plan... I'm probably on like plan D or E, honestly, at this particular point in time. But you also have to be willing to look at your life. And sometimes that means stopping an aggressive payoff plan and being okay with it, but knowing that you have the tools, you're in the right position so that when you have extra income or your business starts booming, you can then throw the extra money on your student loans and you're going to actually see things happen. And I I feel like you need to hear both sides of the story. You obviously need the tools, the strategies, the techniques, everything you need to have in your arsenal to be able to pay off your student loans fast. But you also have to have that piece that sometimes life is going to throw you a curveball and it's going to throw you something that you didn't expect. And I don't know what that is for you. Every person, it's a, it's a little something different. And Some people go many, 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 many years and never have a curveball. And then some people like myself feel like every time I wake up for a few years, there was another freaking curveball being thrown at me and I didn't know what to do. And really all I could do was just wake up every day, try to do the best I could, try to focus on being the best person and know that I've got the tools in the toolkit. Once I get my brain and everything else aligned, once I get past some of the anxiety and depression I was feeling, I'm able to pick back up where I left off. So I think it's important that you hear both sides of the story because if you do a Google search or you read articles, 
all you're going to read about is get rid of your student loans. And I am a big fan of getting rid of all the debt you possibly can. There's some debt where it probably makes sense for you to have that debt, but I want you to have that, I don't know, that piece of relaxation, that peace, I should say, around your debt, knowing that it's okay. It's okay if it takes you longer than three years or five years or 10 years. It's okay as long as you're being smart with the debt that you have. So I was really excited to have Travis Hornsby, who founded Student Loan Planner, on the podcast. His wife was a physician, and she had a massive amount of student loan debt. And when they got together, he was like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. Let me figure out some way to help you get through the complex student loan repayment decision process so that your loans can actually get paid off fast. Imagine that. And it worked. It started working. So we started to do it for a lot of her friends and it started to work for them. And so he thought, well, why not create a business out of this so I can help a lot of people? And I think that's great because sometimes the best businesses and the best way we can serve other people comes from those moments of the greatest pain or frustration that we've experienced in our life because we found a way through it and so we can help others. That's certainly something I try to do on this podcast is bring you that dose of reality because I've had a few reality checks myself and sometimes you just need somebody there. And so I feel like you're going to get so much wisdom out of this podcast episode. It is just going to blow your mind. So Travis, it is so great to have you on the podcast, and we're going to talk today about a subject that causes so many people just a ton of stress, student loans. Yeah, it's great to be here, Shauna. Um, you know, it's it's only a $1.5 trillion problem and growing maybe by $100 <laughs> billion a year, right? I mean, it is, it is absolutely insane. I don't even have words, I think, to to describe, you know, how I feel about it. Uh, you know, the fact that we have so many people graduating in in this, particularly in the U.S. right now, and, you know, they're having to deal with this massive amount of debt. And it's like you're starting out already so far in the negative that it is, it's scary. And, and I'm sure that, you know, you deal with that all the time. Yeah, well, and, and, it's it's actually a little bit bigger problem than just the U.S. Uh, even so, in the United Kingdom, they started uh, switching everyone to income-based programs for their student loans as well. And what's happened uh, in America, especially too, is is that um, when you pay based off of what your income is, the amount of money that you owe is is no longer really uh, that important from the perspective of the university that decides what tuition to set. Right? Really. So, hmm. Yeah, because you know, if I'm paying ten percent of my income, what does it matter if I owe fifty thousand or five hundred thousand? Exactly. It's the same dollar out of my pocket. And so universities have really realized this and they were enabled to charge basically whatever they want uh, by a change in the law in two thousand and six that that uh, allowed universities to charge um, or to to really give loans to people up to the cost of attendance. And the cost of attendance is whatever they say it is. So in, in the absence of students stop uh, that stop applying to, to programs, you know, tuition just has continued to escalate and it's really gotten out of control. You know, in, in 10 years ago, student debt was maybe about around like 350 billion, something like that. Um, maybe maybe a little less. 
uh, or a little more, but um, but now it's 1.5 trillion. So you've had student debt almost quintuple over a relatively small uh, period of time. And because things are so complicated with you know the different federal programs out there, the good news is that there's a lot of ways that people can save money. And the bad news is there's a lot of ways that people can cost themselves money. Exactly. And I know we're probably going to bob and, bob and weave a bit in this episode, but I'd love to just get your thoughts since we since we talked about that. Those, those skyrocketing numbers, where is the end? You know, is there anything that's being done about student loan debt, really? Or, or is it just, it's just a problem that's going to keep growing and growing? Well, it's, it's, it's funny you ask. So I, I did an analysis recently of the two different um, partisan bills to reform student loans that are out there. Uh, one is called the Aim Higher Act by the Democratic Party, and the Prosper Act is the Republican version of the bill. And uh, both of them would make the crisis worse uh, in different ways. <laughs> so <laughs> it's it's hilarious it's, if it wasn't so sad. So like the Republican bill basically would create a new kind of, of uh, student loan that would basically uh, – you'd pay it until you die uh, for some people. Um, Fantastic. Great, right? Now the Democratic bill uh, would uh, basically increase a lot of the access to a lot of these different forgiveness plans – but it would make things even more complicated by creating a new uh, option that people could switch on to in addition to like the 15 different options they have now. Uh, and it would drastically increase the um, cost to the taxpayer for, uh, for, for funding student loans. Um, so, so if you think about, you know, if you kind of believe in the, the reports that are like, you know, Social Security and Medicare don't have enough money, you know, pensions are underfunded. You know, at some point, the costs of all of these promises does come home to roost. And so the question is, is what's going to happen uh, really as a country? And and when you're worried about it from a macro perspective like that, um, that can be good in a way, because really what that means is that the number one person that's going to determine your financial success is looking at you in the mirror. Exactly. So, so even if you have 500000 in student loans, what you would do if you're kind of semi-broke is you would sign up for an income-driven plan like pay-as-you-earn. You'd pay for 20 years based off of your income, so you'll always have a significant amount of your income not going to student loans, and you would need to be putting away a little bit of money every month to pay your tax bomb with, because if you don't work in the government or not-for-profit sector, you have to pay income taxes and student loan forgiveness currently. Yeah, and I think so, that's a shock to a lot of people. You know, certainly it's something that, you know, we try to talk about those things on the on this podcast, but that's not a, a language that you hear a lot in the media. You know, you hear about forgiveness, good or bad, but you don't hear about the actual individual consequences. Well, and and the reason is the media wants to give you articles that say, you know, the top 15 places in Mexico to take your next vacation, right? So <laughs> they're, they're, they're not going to say, you know, the top 15 ways that, you know, millennials will be screwed over in 10 to 20 years <laughs> once they get their tax bills from the IRS, that's not nearly as good of a, uh, uh, a clickbait kind of an article, right? So, um, so yeah, you don't see a lot of, of reporting on this. You know, there's some publications that have tried, um, myself and others, but what would probably happen if you think about the fact the average consumer has got $1,000 in the bank uh, is these people are going to get all these bills for student loan forgiveness, and then they're going to uh, be faced with having their houses seized, maybe, or be put into you know, payment plans by the IRS in their 50s for student loans they took out in their 20s and 30s. And there's going to be some some backlash uh, in public opinion, and, and there's going to be pressure on Congress to make this tax 
forgiven, you know, and make it a tax-free loan forgiveness for everybody. But the thing is, is I don't want anybody that at least we're advising a student loan planner to be planning on that. We want them to plan for the worst case scenario, Shauna, so that if something does happen uh, that's that's better, then they're going to be the beneficiaries of that rather than being the victims of something they didn't know about. And I think that's just great advice because that's so true. You, I mean, nobody has a crystal ball. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. We've been saying that a lot of the social programs are bankrupt and yet they keep going. So, you know, who knows exactly what those people in the administration are actually doing about this or, you know, how much they actually care or invested to to fix this problem. And I, I think what I love about your story, Travis, is that your business, Student Loan Planner, it came as a result of your wife, right? She had these massive student loans you talk about and you know, you were kind of lost in the dark trying to figure out how to deal with this. I'd love it if you could just walk me through a little bit about that time and kind of the frustrations you had that led you to start the business. Sure. I mean, so uh, she was a resident in New York City, not getting a lot of sleep, constantly being overworked. And uh, and she had some student debt, six figures of student debt. And she got some pretty bad advice on what to do to handle that student debt. Nobody ever told her, you know, hey, you need to consolidate, you need to get it onto, uh, you know, the, the, the pay-as-you-earn, revised pay-as-you-earn plans uh, to prepare yourself for the public service loan forgiveness program or loan forgiveness generally. Nobody talked to her about that. And so, you know, she's she's a, um, an expert in medicine. She's not an expert in arcane federal uh, student loan <laughs> rules, right? So, I mean, so, you know, so she's working her tail off and then Somebody tells her to consolidate at some point, so she does that, and she wipes away all of her credit towards forgiveness during her years of residency. And then in fellowship, she's kind of on and off the different plans because nobody from the loan servicer is telling her this is really important. You know that you get PSLF, and um, and so probably uh, that having bad student loan advice probably cost my wife a hundred thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah, and so you think about what a resident physician takes home after taxes, it might be about 50000 So effectively, by having bad student loan advice uh, early on in her career, my wife lost out on two years' worth of uh, earnings. And that's crazy. Like I, I didn't know this stuff until I started modeling it when we started uh, dating a few years ago and before we were married. And, and, and I uh, looked at the data and uh, just basically found that it was uh, – you know, it was kind of crazy how bad the help that she had gotten was, and, and there really wasn't any really good, really trustworthy source of kind of uh, flat fee student loan help out there for people. There's there's a lot of, you know, I guess financial planners that might offer a little bit of student loan advice, but most of them don't really understand um, understand it very well, and the ones that do kind of are often using it as a, a, a source of getting leads to sell, you know, more expensive services. And, and that's kind of maybe true a little bit for, for some CPAs that are knowledgeable about it too. So I basically wanted to create something that if my wife had used when she was taking her first job would have fixed so many problems for her and would have saved her a ton of money. And so I did it for her first and then she told us, told her friends about it. And then I started helping her friends and then that kind of snowballed. And then, you know, we created the business, um, as a result of just basically word of mouth and, uh, uh, writing blog posts that people started wanting to know more about. <laughs> and I've heard that story so many times, whether it's somebody who wanted to be, you know, was studying to be a doctor or a lawyer or professional fields where maybe the university said, you know what, it's okay, you take out the student loan. So what if it's 100000 or 200000 
when you get your job, you'll just be able to pay it all off because you're going to have this amazing salary. And all of them are like, wait a minute, this didn't happen. You know, I I have a good salary, but I'm not making millions of dollars. And now I have this massive student loan debt. Yeah. And and the financial aid officers are kind of directed to say that by the higher ups, in my opinion, because they don't have an answer. So if you don't have an answer and you have all of these smart people asking you for answers, you make something up. Yeah. You know, it's it just it's it's kind of it's kind of human nature. You kind of say what I mean, and and that's true for anything. Like you kind of tell people what they want to hear, right? I mean, that's, and it's that's a business, thing. right? I mean, they're in the yeah. business of getting people to come to their school. That's that's how they make money. Economics uh, was my undergrad, and and one of the things they teach you is well, what are people's incentives? So so what is the incentive of somebody that works in financial aid? It's to make sure that you get your loan money so that the school gets paid. <laughs> If, if they do a good job helping you manage your student loans, they're not going to get any more money from that. And if they do too good of a job warning people that it would be a very poor decision for them to attend that program not to go, they could lose their job. And that's not a good thing for them personally. So you basically have financial aid officers that overall are good people, but the incentive structure is such that it's, it's really a warped situation that's not in the interest of the student. And you know it's interesting because you have some fields like medicine and and you know highly ranked law schools, maybe some highly highly ranked MBA programs that are just, that still have a defendable return on investment. Um, however, there are some programs like most of veterinary schools and chiropractic and uh, uh, you know naturopaths. Um, you know I could kind of go on uh, that have a very negative return on investment uh, and are effectively. Uh, kind of, um, kind of a, 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 from a financial perspective, it's kind of a scam proposition. You know, you're going to go borrow three hundred thousand dollars, but you're going to get a job making seventy. Um, so you <laughs> that know, doesn't it, work it, out it, well. <laughs> it does. Yeah, the math doesn't work out. So if you want to go do that, that's okay. You can still live a financially solid life, and you can still save tons of money if you're that person that owes a couple hundred thousand dollars and doesn't have the income to back it up. You can still make that work, and that's kind of what we do with our student loan planning service. But it's you know, for somebody that's prospectively going into it, they should avoid it at all costs unless that's the only thing they've ever wanted to do in their whole lives. And so I'm just seeing so much abuse, so much stuff that, in my opinion, uh, if it's not fraud, it should be. Um, and and I, you know, I really, really feel passionate about this. I think there's some there's some people that you know at a minimum should be should be at least publicly shamed that you know are are are, are not being uh, even said anything about, basically because people don't understand the magnitude of the problem and how badly students, taxpayers, basically everybody is being ripped off by the system that we have in place. When we were looking to hire someone at Millennium Money, we just had no idea where to look to find good candidates for the job. And we ended up wasting so much time and money. And of course, we didn't end up finding a good employee after all that time. I'm so thankful, though, we found ZipRecruiter and we were just amazed how easy the hiring process became, even for a small business like ours. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for. They identify the people with the right experience and then they just invite them to apply for the job. They do all the hard work for you. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day, which is hilarious because we spent weeks trying to find the right person and were unsuccessful. So one day for a quality candidate, it's like winning the lottery. 
the right candidates are out there and ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Whether you're just building your business and need to hire an employee or you're a more seasoned business needing some good people. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mymoney. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mymoney. At the end of the day, ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Seriously. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete.me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete.me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one time service, Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress toward your financial goals, 
and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. So basically, you you have to be your own advocate. You can't just rely on what anybody's telling you. You really have to spend some time if you're going into one of these schools and going into the you know massive student loan debt. You have to be your own advocate and you have to think about long term how this is going to impact you and whether this is the right decision. Right. And, and I would kind of make an analogy to... Um you know, maybe back in the day in the seventies, you know, the, the financial aid people, you could totally trust them because the tuition costs were way lower and it was almost a joke to go in and pay your tuition. You know, I mean, it was like, you could work part time and cover everything. So, uh, in that kind of a world, you know, you don't have to worry about anything. You're, you're good. You know, you're not going to get taken advantage of, but the problem is, is the system around these people that are good people that I'm not saying anybody's dishonest or unethical or something at, at these universities, but the system that has been created as a result of the incentives uh, that the government and, and other parties have made have created a monster. And so the system around people have, have created an environment where if you're going into your financial aid office to ask, should I attend, 
you should be thinking about them as a used car lot, basically, that's trying to sell <laughs> lemon cars. And you know, if, if you have that level of skepticism and scrutiny on your decision-making process of, over what graduate degree you're going to go into, then you'll be properly prepared. But unless you have that extreme skepticism, you're, you're not going to be uh, making a decision that's probably in the best interest of your family. So I guess you know, we don't really help people as much on the front end. You know, we have been increasingly doing a little bit of analysis for people that are trying to decide whether or not they want to go to a grad program. But most people have kind of already made that decision. You know, we're not going to dissuade anybody once they've decided they want to go somewhere. So we're really kind of helping people on the back end when they graduated, they already have the debt, you know, and, and, and we, we help kind of in the one of the two ways. The one way was, you know, the student loan planning for people who feel like they don't really know what the heck the heck to do with their student debt because it's just a mess and it's confusing and they just want somebody to figure out what to do. And then the other part of it is we have student loan cashback refinancing bonuses for people that know they need to pay their debt off, that have a really good debt to income ratio, and they're just trying to cut their interest rate. Because that's another thing is the government charges people like six, seven, or eight percent when you know a private lender might be willing to give you a loan for a fraction of that or a significantly lower interest rate than that because you've got a better credit risk than what the government's reflecting. That totally makes sense. And you know, there's a lot, obviously, that we know about student loans, but I feel like there's a lot that we don't know as well, particularly if we're in that payback period of our loans. We talked about a couple things, you know, the tax implications of, you know, forgiveness. But are there any other myths that maybe come to mind about student loans that aren't talked about a lot that, that we really should know about? Well, there, there, I mean, I, I didn't talk a ton about the public service loan forgiveness program. I mean, that is the one program where you can pay based on your income for only 10 years and have no tax uh, implications. And that program, there's a lot of myths, a lot of noise about that program. You know, pe people saying, you know, okay, you know, Congress is going to do away with it. Trump's going to do away with it. It's a very likely program to, ha to have happen for people who already have debt. Uh, and so I have a lot of people sometimes that will refinance their loans because they can't take the psychological uncertainty of of dealing with the federal government on this. Wow. And 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 that's a really bad mistake. You know, people cost themselves hundreds of thousands of dollars by doing this because um, basically they just can't handle the, the the anxiety that it produces. So if you qualify for a loan forgiveness program and the math makes sense, you should go for it. You know, you should put your money in investments instead. Um, but you know. I guess one one myth would be that student debt is good debt. It's not good debt. Uh, it's debt that can be managed well. It's debt that can be set up properly so that you can pay less uh, than you could, and you know, based off of what you were doing. But student debt is is in general, it's not tax deductible. You only get a small deduction for student loan interest that gets phased out if you have a decently high income. So for all intents and purposes. You know, you're not getting student loan interest uh, deducted on your taxes, so that means you're paying after-tax interest, and that's pretty rotten interest. The, the only interest that's really worse than a student loan, if you have to, if the math makes sense to pay the student loan off, is um, is like credit card interest. That's pretty much the only kind that that's worse uh, for most middle class and professional uh, type of people. So if you can pay off your student loan debt, don't take your time. Do it really rapidly. Get rid of your debt as fast as you can so that you can move on and do other things with your life. And if the math does not make sense to pay off your student loans because you owe maybe double your income or more, then get set up with the right forgiveness plan and prepare for the tax consequences and make sure that you have 
retirement savings going on so that you're going to be financially secure one day instead of having no assets to your name. So I, the, the, I guess the main myths would be go for forgiveness if you qualify. Don't believe all the hype that says it's going away. Um, and if you do have the debt, don't think of it as good debt that you can just kind of not think about. Get aggressive with it if it's the right thing to do. Yeah, that makes sense. And what other tips do you have for somebody who is really focused on paying off that student loan debt? Are there particular programs maybe they should think about being on if they're not on? Or how how should they think about, wrap their brain around even starting to pay off this massive amount? So, I mean, the, the, the thing first thing that I would tell you is there's a lot of uh, personal finance blogs out there that put up uh, links to different refinancing companies and, and, and everybody basically gets referral uh, commissions when you click on those links and apply to refinance your loans. Um, so if you're trying to get rid of the debt as fast as possible, one thing that I would tell you is to demand that you receive a cashback referral bonus for applying. So if you go directly to sites, you know, you're not going to get one of these. Generally, these referral bonuses are anywhere between $200 and $1,000. And the sites that are not giving those to you are keeping those for themselves. So you might as well get all the dollars that you're entitled to. Um, one thing that I will see people do is they will refinance multiple times to pick up multiple cashback bonuses. So say, for example, you have $100,000 and you're afraid of uh, committing to a payment more than $1,000 a month because you, you want to pay more than that, but you're afraid to, to commit to like a five-year uh, refinancing term where you'd have to pay $2,000 a month. So what you could do is do a 10-year fixed rate and have a payment of about 1000 a month, and you could pay way more than you actually have to, knock down the balance a ton, and then you could refinance maybe – say you pay down half of it and you're down to 50000 Well, now you could refinance probably to a lower interest rate again with a five-year and then have a, a, a monthly payment that's about the same that's required of you. And so when, one thing that people don't realize is you can refinance multiple times. So if you are paying down your loans, refinancing is the best thing to do. That, that, you, know, you shouldn't keep your loans with the federal government uh, if you are refinancing because that means that you know, you're a better credit risk than what the government's interest rates reflect. So I guess that's, that would be the first thing that I would say is refinance, pick up a cashback bonus, and then pay as much as you possibly can to it. Get your 401k match. Don't have credit card debt. Fix that stuff first. But everything else, throw it out the debt and get the heck out of debt. It's kind of similar to the you know the 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 popular personal finance personalities out there that want you to get rid of all your debt take that mindset to it you know put pay down your highest interest rate loans first um try to cut your car expenses your housing expenses come up with hacks about your spending for your uh grocery bill maybe you're going to Aldi's instead of whole foods uh try to go to Chipotle instead of <laughs> you know a 100 dollar dinner with wine and, and cheese or something um, oh, but and, it tastes and, so good. <laughs> oh, I know. But you know, the, the thing that I've found is uh, if you cut out your expensive uh, car payment, if you get rid of your um, expensive dining uh, habits and grocery habits, and the number one thing I've found is getting creative with your housing situation, yes. that will get you out of debt the fastest because and you, you can, need a lot of money to pay yeah, out the debt. Yeah, and you can literally – I mean I tell everybody this. You can find money. I don't care if you're paycheck to paycheck, if you you know, have a lot of – there's always – 
money you can find in your bank account. You just have to start looking for it and be being creative, like you just said, you know, making some seemingly tough choices, you know, with the money that you already have. If your goal is to pay off, whether it's credit card debt or student loan debt, whatever that may be. Yeah. And, and, and people are afraid to make change. I understand. You know, you, you've got the car, you, you like your car, you don't want to get rid of it. But, you know, if you have a car payment, you need to be changing some things about the way you do your finances, in my opinion, especially if you have student debt. If you don't have a student debt, then, okay, you know, car payment, you know, maybe, maybe that's not too big of a deal. But if you have student debt, you only want to have your student loans and a mortgage, and that's it. No other kinds of debt are acceptable if you have student loan debt. Uh, besides that and a mortgage. If you have more than that, then it's kind of like you're getting, uh, it's like death by a thousand cuts. You know, you're, you're constantly fighting against all these different sources of, of uh, lenders that want your money, and you're just not going to make very much progress into financial freedom. And you talked about refinancing. I know there's a lot of questions that people have about refinancing. Tell me a little bit about like, what does your profile need to look like in terms of credit score or income or any of those things, you know, we got a lot of people that are self-employed running their own business. What do they need to know about qualifying for refinancing? Sure. So, um, so you want to have a 650 credit score above in general. Um, you'll get the best rates if you have something in the mid 700s or above. If you have private student loans, you want to refinance those things yesterday because there's no forgiveness that you're going to get on private student loans. So you might as well try to get the lowest interest rate you can find for getting a, a decent rate, you probably want to owe less uh, than um, two times your income, preferably less than 1.5. So that means if you have a $100,000 income, you want to owe less than $150,000 in student debt. You don't want to be foolish with credit card debt. So if you have any credit card debt, you want to make sure that that's zero. There's no other acceptable amount of credit card debt really than zero if you're, if you're refinancing. And you want to have basically a, a, a focus that you can make that monthly payment and, and that it's not going to put a strain on your finances. So, you know, it might be tempting to go with the five-year because you think you can afford it. But if you're going with the five-year with the really high monthly payment, just make sure that you don't have a big payment for housing or for, um, you know, for cars or something because that could get in the way of, of qualifying. So, um yeah, I think in, in general, you just need to make sure that you've got a healthy balance sheet, uh, that you don't have a ton of other kinds of debt, and you've got a decent credit score, uh, and you should be able to qualify with, for a pretty good rate. Well, one quick example uh, about the need to comparison shop, you should always be checking at least three lenders before doing a refinancing decision. The reason is I had somebody recently who cut their interest rate by about 1.8% Wow. Uh, who, who had shopped one place. So if he had shopped more places, he could have saved thousands of dollars in interest uh, by simply just a five-minute or less application at a couple different spots. So there's you know places that people will hear about because of Super Bowl commercials or uh, you know they'll <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Without mentioning any names, or, or they'll you know somebody will send you something in the mail every week, and you might be tempted to just go ahead and, and apply from that. And if you do that, not only do you miss out on those cashback bonuses I was mentioning you're probably going to get a worse interest rate. 
That's good to know. So I, I always recommend that with any financial product or anything that you're looking in, you know, always shop around, whether you're hiring an accountant or you're looking to refinance your student loans, you know, having different options, I think, be, you know, it allows you to make, I feel like the best educated decision. I'd love to know, you know, we talked just briefly about like a few horror stories. Are there any other horror stories that come to mind about, you know, student loans that, you, that you've seen that, uh, you know, would be good juicy stories to share? Sure. So I had a pharmacist recently who was paying about $2,500 a month. Um, <laughs> and, he was, and, and he was working at a not-for-profit hospital. And uh, so he qualified for that PSLF public service loan forgiveness. And he had paid on that $2,500 a month plan for about um, three years. He should have been using something called revised pay-as-you-earn and been paying about uh, $700 a month. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and so if you kind of do the math, over three years, he wasted $64,800. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Down the toilet, literally, that he can't get back. Um, You know, the loan forgiveness is going to result in in, uh, saving that money. So, you know, basically, they don't have a cap on PSLF. So anything extra that he paid on the loans uh, is just wasted money. Um, kind of a similar story, uh, had somebody who was on an, something called the extended repayment program, uh, veterinarian who was paying about $3,000 a month on her $400,000 of student debt and making almost zero progress because the interest, uh, basically she was making almost interest only payments. It was such a big balance. And so she had been paying, you know, $36,000 a year on her student loans and making almost no progress for a couple of years. And, Instead of doing that, she should have been paying about 500 a month on the pay-as-you-earn program and actually getting credit towards loan forgiveness. Instead, she got no credit towards loan forgiveness and didn't even touch her principal balance. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Um, those, are, those are two horror stories. Um, maybe uh, maybe a, a kind of a, a, another sort of – not a horror story per se, but one that was kind of inefficient. You know, Somebody was paying back their federal uh, student loans at a 7% interest rate when they could have qualified for about a three and a half. And so they paid maybe about ten dollars to $15,000 a year in interest to the government that they didn't need to pay because they didn't understand refinancing and were a little bit afraid about doing it. Yeah. That, I mean, so it, I mean, it just proves that A, you have to be your own advocate and B, you know, you have to look around for solutions. Am I at the best interest rate I can possibly be at? You know, am I positioned the way I should be positioned so that I can make so I can make a dent in this debt, you know, the fastest way possible? I'd love to hear, you know, just as we we wrap up this episode. How can people work with student loan planner? What is that process like? And, you know, how could they get in touch with you? Sure. I mean, so. We have a team of people, um, and we we kind of focus on serving people by their different amounts of how much debt they have. So you want to go to studentloanplanner.com, basically just hit the little uh, button in the bottom right uh, that looks like a, you know an envelope, and you can just tell us what your situation is. Somebody from our team is going to reach out to you uh, and explain next steps. The, the student loan planning fee is anywhere from $300 to $600. It's a one-time flat fee. You know, we're, we're not trying to sell, you know, multi-thousand dollar financial plans. We're trying to solve one area of your life and be the very best at it anywhere in the country. And that's if you don't know what you want to do with your student loans. If you already know what you want to do with your student debt and you know that you want to refinance it, then I would suggest just going to studentloanplanner.com, 
hitting that refinancing bonuses uh, link in the menu bar, and then just applying with three or four different lenders and picking up a cashback bonus and cutting your interest rate. So the goal is to add value, not just get money for money's sake. That's that's not doing anybody any favors. There's plenty of people doing that at universities and ripping people off, and so we want to be part of the solution, not not uh, part of the problem. Uh, so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's all focused on doing what's in the best interest of the person. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Millennial Money. I'll be back on Friday with a fresh episode for you to check out. But in the meantime, if you love this episode and you found value in the content we share with you, I totally appreciate it. If you do me a favor, head on over to iTunes, rate and review the podcast. I promise to be your BFF for life. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.